welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Joel Sanders. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. Amen. Good morning. Happy New Year. Hope your 2018 has been good. I'm excited to be here and excited to preach this message. I'm speaking about building your life in God. And uh, I learned from Robert that when preaching a sermon, you should start with a joke. So here you go. A window salesman phoned a customer. Hello, sir, said the sales rep. I'm calling because our company replaced all the windows in your house with our triple glazed, weather-tight windows over a year ago, and you still haven't sent us a single payment. The customer replied, but you said they'd pay for themselves in 12 months. <laughs> I need to use that one next time. Well, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to build houses. In fact, I remember cutting out pictures from magazines or newspapers. I remember drawing uh, architectural plans on graph paper. Uh, And then one summer in college, I had an opportunity to build homes. I got a job framing custom houses up in Seattle. Real great hands-on experience. Uh, This one day, I was... uh, Waiting at the bottom of this front porch area, we were setting a big beam up on the second story level. And these two other guys had it on their shoulders and they were walking it up two separate ladders and they were going to set it into these grooves. And I was the new guy waiting at the bottom with a nail gun, ready to run it up the ladders and help them tack it in after they set it. Classic rookie mistake, right? You can see where this story is going. When they went to set the beam in, it fell off of their shoulders right down towards me. It was this crazy experience. I had just a split second to dive out of the way, which I did, uh, and it just barely scraped my body. Near-death experience, a little too much building experience for me. Uh, Thankful that I made it, and I'm here to preach this message this morning. And it didn't scare me away from building because a a few years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to build our own house right here in San Diego. It was an incredible experience. And throughout the experience, we realized how similar it is to building a real house and building our spiritual lives in God. In fact, our life is kind of like a house. And when you're a builder, if you can envision a house in your mind, then you can build it. If you can see it, then you can build it. And so much so, like our spiritual lives, if you can see how your life needs to look, if you can envision where God is gonna take your life, then you can build towards that life. And so, we should ask ourselves a few questions this morning. If our life is like a house, how are we building our lives? And what kind of life are we building? Also, is our life going to withstand the storms that come against it. Uh, As we look to God, we should also ask, who is our builder? Is God our builder? And before we just all answer with the classic Sunday school, Jesus is our builder, I think it would be good to actually evaluate our lives and look at our lives and really determine that answer. Is God our builder or are we trying to build our own lives? I wanna share with you this morning some lessons that I learned from building our own house, and I want us all to try and imagine our lives 
like a house during this message. I've got five points for you. I would encourage you to take some notes. There's going to be some great points, some great scriptures that I think is going to help launch us into 2018, building our lives in God. The first point is God is your builder. God is your builder. Let's look at what the scriptures say. Psalm 127, 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Now, if you read through scripture with this lens of a house and God is a builder, you'll be surprised to see how much scripture talks about a house and God being the builder. Here's what we find from this scripture, that if we're just building on our own, then we're doing it in vain. Have you ever watched people build something kind of aimlessly, not knowing what they're building? It's kind of like putting an Ikea furniture together without the instructions. Unless God's our builder, then we labor in vain. We want God to be our builder. The next scripture, Hebrews 11.10, talking about Abraham, it says, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Look at those attributes of God's character. God is an architect. God is a builder. God knows the architectural plans for your life. God's able to build our lives. So one of the first things you do when you build a house is you have to go and get your builder. God is our general contractor and he's our code enforcer. I know, some of us didn't like that one. (laughs) You know, one of the things that's honestly a little frustrating about having a general contractor is not having total control over your build. If you're in construction or you work as a contractor, I really appreciate you. I'm so thankful for your work. But there were times it was a little frustrating to work with a general contractor because many of us are probably like me. We wanted it done yesterday. Right? It was frustrating to wait on a general contractor, but I think waiting in times like these can be good and helpful. Here's what it did for us in our waiting season. We had to uh, sit, sit around and wait for the house to be built, and what it made us do was look over our plans a lot. In fact, almost every night I would get out our designs, get out our plans, and just pour over them. I'd go through each page and just meticulously study them. And it helped us because we found out things that we didn't like. We found things that we wanted to change. We saw some things that, that, uh, that we wanted uh, differently. And so it was good for us. It helped us appreciate the house. It helped us get the house that we actually wanted. One thing we also realized is our general contractor actually wanted to help us. He wanted to help us build a good house, and we appreciated that. One of the things we did with him is we would go to our property and walk through it many times. We'd walk through each room. We'd look at each design feature inside and out. We'd talk about every little detail. One of the things that was frustrating was because I had studied the plan so much, I, uh, at times, thought that I knew more about the house than he did. (laughs) But that's not true. He knew way more about the house than me, even though I thought, well, I've been looking at these plans every night. He's built a lot more houses than I have, right? I hadn't even built one at that point. He built lots of them, and he knew not just what would look good on paper, or what would look good on a 3D sketch, but this general contractor knew what would, needed to be done to build a house that would last, that would stand up. And God is like that. God is our general contractor. He wants to help us. He doesn't want to harm us. 
He knows what's best for you. He wants to walk through your life. He wants to go into every specific feature and walk through each room of your spiritual life and talk about it and show you what he's doing and show you how he's gonna build your life. God is a good contractor to have. God has built more lives than we have. We haven't built many lives. God has built lots of lives. He knows what he's doing. Sometimes we get frustrated with God and think, well, we know better than God. I know how to build my own life. God has built lots of lives. Look at this scripture from Jeremiah 29, 11, and look at it with the mindset of God being a builder. Look at how many times it says the word plans. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. Just imagine God as a general contractor with a big set of plans for your life, and he knows them, and he knows every detail of them. And he says, hey, I know what's gonna get, not just look good on paper, but I know what's gonna build your life. I know what's gonna set you up for the long haul. And they're good plans. God has good plans for your life to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope in a future. Sometimes we can think, well, God, you don't know what you're doing. I know better for my life. God knows what he's doing. God's built a lot of lives. Another thing that was difficult was to have to deal with the county code enforcers. Now, again, if you work for the county or you do something like this, I appreciate you. So thankful for your work. But if anybody works in construction, you know that you can have a tense relationship sometimes with the county. Sometimes you think, well, they're just trying to slow me down or they don't, they don't know what they're doing or that's such an old or outdated thing. Uh, we had a little bit more appreciation for codes because when we bought our property, we saw firsthand what happens when there aren't codes or county code enforcers to enforce things because the front part of our property had our neighbor's septic system in it, which kind of changed the way we had to build things. And, and if you think about that, you know, there, there are things that, that we should appreciate different codes that we should appreciate. Just think about naturally, like this septic thing. Aren't you thankful that your neighbor's septic system or sewage system goes into the ground and doesn't just pour out on the street? You know, aren't you thankful that there's a county official that goes over and goes, hey, your septic system is just pouring out in the street. You're gonna need to change that. I'm thankful for that. There's codes that you can't build your house right next to your neighbor's house. Aren't we thankful for that? A little privacy, maybe it's not much, but you have a little bit. Aren't you thankful for codes where people can't build homes, you know, 10, 10 stories high in front of yours with a great view, right? We're, we appreciate codes that are there to help us. And that's what God is like. Sometimes we think of God with this code enforcer, this rule maker, and we say, oh, he's just out to harm us, or he's just trying to slow us down. But God's doing it because he knows what's best for you. God has good plans for you, to prosper you, to give you a hope in a future. God knows what's gonna protect us from ourselves. Sometimes we don't even know the things that we're doing can hurt us. He's there to protect us from us hurting other people, and he's there to protect us from other people hurting us. Here's the next point. The first one was God is your builder. The second point, impossible build, possible God. Impossible build, possible God. You know, God can build your life even if it seems impossible. Some of you may be here this morning and be thinking, you know what, I've had a hard life or I'm stuck in a pit, man. You don't know me or I didn't live a good church life. I'm just kind of coming out of an addiction or a problem. You're in the perfect place because God is the God of the impossible. 
God doesn't look at your life and is scared of it. He looks at your life and goes, perfect. I'm an impossible God. I'll be the God of the breakthrough. I can build your life even if you don't have vision to build your life. So you're in a great place this morning, church. Aren't you glad you're here? When we first bought our land, uh, we had a lot of things that were wrong with it. Everyone told us that it was impossible for us to build a house there. It was kind of uncanny. I mean, people that we knew and people that we didn't know would show up and go, you can't build a house here. We were kind of like, stop telling us that. We had done our due diligence and we found out that we actually could build a house there. But there, there, there were five major things that were wrong with the property to, to give them a little credit. There was a lot of things that scared people away from building a house on this lot. I wanna share them with you. Like I already said, the neighbor's septic uh, system was on the whole front of our property from end to end, so we couldn't get a driveway across it. The uh, lot was on a private street, so there was no ingress and egress to the lot, so we were literally landlocked. There was low communication lines hanging across the property. And there was, uh, we had to do a, what's called a percolation test or a perk test in order to be able to put a septic system that test had to pass. And if that wasn't enough, the cherry on top was that there was a large abandoned concrete reservoir on the back of the property. <laughs> a lot of things that were challenging with the property. So what do you do in your life when all you see is problems? What do you do when you're building a house and all you see is problems. Well, we had to keep going back to the promises of God and the scriptures that God spoke to us for this land. That's what we have to do for our lives too. When you see the impossibility, do you have a scripture that you're going to? Do you have a word from God that you're turning to? Or are you just kind of floating around? God wants to speak promises for your life. He wants to show you what he's doing and walk through like a good general contractor. Uh, there were there were, uh, for this specific property, we had some scriptures that we read about it. There was a lot of oak trees on this property, and so I read every verse in the Bible about Abraham and his oak trees. I read every verse about buying land. We waited on God and had promises for this land. We got wisdom from our wise counsel. We counted the cost. One funny story is we were waiting for this perk test to come through to see if we could put a septic system on this land. It was looking like it was going to be impossible. And I was just praying, God, help us build a septic system here. God, help us put a septic system here. And a little side note, uh, I'll do some shopping on eBay. I don't know if you ever bought on eBay. It's kind of the wild west of online shopping. It's just kind of random people buying and selling each other's junk. And uh, the thing about it is you can just ship something in any old box or package. And so I've been praying, God, help us build a septic system here. And I'd bought something on eBay just personally for myself. I'm praying, God, help us put this septic system in. And this box comes from eBay, and the box that it comes in says septic savior in real big letters on the side. We were like, yes, thank you, Lord. I don't know who this person is, but this box is from God. <laughs> and uh, it was about a week later that we heard back that the perk test passed, and we were able to put a septic system in. So, so for our land, it seemed like everyone saw all the problems and we certainly did too, but we also saw a house there. We saw it. We had vision to see a house there. And, and isn't that just like our lives? Sometimes it's so easy to see all the problems. Sometimes it's so easy to look at someone else's life and see all the problems. But that's not how the people of God are to operate. That's certainly not how God operates. 
People so easily see the problems, but God sees the solutions. Think of God using the murderer, Paul, the denying Peter, the runaway Jonah, the deceiver Jacob, the stutterer Moses, the too old Abraham and Sarah, the too young Timothy, the hider Gideon, the prostitute Rahab, the banished David, the bald Elisha, (laughs) the poor widow, even the donkey. I mean, God really doesn't care what the adjective is before your name that people use to describe you or that maybe you've used to describe yourself or maybe the things that you've struggled with or the sins that you've committed because that's not how God sees you. He sees the new you. He has vision to build your life. Even when we see it as impossible, it doesn't scare God away. There's a story in the Old Testament where God was bringing his people into the promised land and God was giving it to them, but they needed to go spy it out to see how they could take it. And there was 12 spies that went into this land. They all saw the same land. They all had the same eyes, but 10 of them came back and said, we can't do it. It's impossible. There's giants there. There's no way we can make it happen. But Joshua and Caleb had vision. They came back, they saw the impossibility too, but they knew who their God was and they said, we can do it. God will give us this victory. Let's see with those eyes, church. Let's be people that don't just see the impossibility. Sure, we see it, but we can see the God that's gonna break through in the midst of that. Let's build our lives in God this year, even when it seems impossible. Number three, preparation matters. Preparation matters. You have to prepare first, Before you build, look at this scripture in Proverbs 24, verse 27. It says, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. I think many of us think that God just builds our life while we sit around watching Netflix. (laughs) That's kind of our mentality these days. But we have to do work and preparation in order for God to build a house, to build our lives and, and even when we get to the building stage, it's not like God just does it. We're co-laborers with Christ. We're doing it together. We're walking through our life together and letting God build it. Uh, this is where we spent so much time in our first year of building. It wasn't even hammers and nails the first year. It was drawings and permits. It was making sure everything will work. It was surveying the land. It was preparing the land by removing any unnecessary brush. It was getting everything in the right order of what steps needed to happen first, second, and third, and so on. And what this speaks to me about is preparing our character first. It's getting the things in our life in order. It's getting things out of our life that, that, uh, that don't need to be there. Look at Hebrews 12, verse one. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Is there anything in your life that you need to throw off? Is there any sin that's entangling you? Is there anything from 2017 that slowed you down and you need to get rid of it? I love this scripture because not everything's sin. Some of it's just stuff that's hindering us and we need to go, hey, I'm leaving that behind in 2017. God's gonna build my life in 2018 and that's gonna stay back there. Many of us think we should just kind of automatically be in charge of everything for God. Right when we give our lives to Jesus, we should already be built, but that's not how it works. Jesus uh, wants to continually build us spiritually. Jesus said, whoever's faithful in the little will be ruler over much. And so instead of just wondering, how come we're not already built the way we should be? 
How come our house isn't already complete in God? Uh, maybe we should be focusing on the preparation that God wants to do in our lives. Maybe he's trying to clean some things out of us, and we need to uh, subscribe to that process. You know, the preparation stage is slow. It's boring. There's not a lot of results in it that you can see with your eyes. There's not a lot of glory in it, not much to post on Instagram and brag about to your friends, but it's necessary, and we have to do it. We can also prepare by building the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Many of you are familiar with that. Look at this scripture in Galatians 5. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We've got to sow into these fruits. God wants to grow in us these things. In fact, one of those thankfulness, the Bible talks about how thankfulness prepares the way for God. Let's live a life of thankfulness and prepare for God to build in our lives. The fourth point, pour your foundation. Pour your foundation. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 11 says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our foundation. Is Jesus your foundation? You know, it's really incredible how much work goes into just getting to the point of pouring a foundation. I mean, we had to clear our land, the preparation work, but then we had to cut into our land because it was on a slope. They had to dig out any rocks and boulders and big rocks and little rocks. They had to cut out any tree roots. They had to just get the dirt right, remove some dirt, put some new dirt in. They had to pack it in, pour water on it. A guy from the county, don't we love them, come out, came out with a special stick to test and make sure it was the right compactness. And then once they did it, they had to pull out that dirt again and then pack it back again. You're just kind of like, are you serious? Why are you doing all this work? But they know that a foundation is so important. I want to show you a couple photos of the, our stage of just putting a foundation in. This is our land, that nice green plot of land. It's where we we're going to put our house. It looks like a nice, you know, you don't have to do much to that, right? Well, look at the next picture. Got the tractors out. We had to cut into the hill because it was a slope. And so we had to, to cut into it. That took a lot of time and work. And, and there they are moving the dirt around and packing in. Look at the next picture. After they've packed it all in, it's nice and firm and sturdy. And they've got their lines out for where the foundation is going to go and the walls are going to go. Then look at the next picture. We had to support that hillside. So we had to build these walls. Now, not everyone has to do that, but we did for this specific site. That took a lot of time, just putting walls in there. And then we're ready to put the foundation in. Look at what they had to do to put, this is from above, looking down on it. They had to build these frames and put the rebar in and make sure everything was square and plumb. They put this special material down on the ground and this special dust on top of that. So the concrete, you know, connects to that. I mean, it was an incredible amount to just get to this. But then we poured our foundation, and you know, after you pour a foundation, the house goes up pretty quickly. It actually goes up pretty quickly after you pour a foundation. The foundation is what's important. And you don't really see the foundation, but it's gotta be strong. It's gotta be sturdy. So what's your foundation? When you have a hard day or when you fall, what do you fall on? Do you fall on Jesus? Do you turn to him? Is he your foundation? Or do you turn to a bad relationship? Do you turn to a familiar addiction? 
You turn to movies and eating. You know, it's easy for us to have a foundation in Jesus when things are going well, but that's not what a foundation's for. A foundation's for when the storms come and the rains come like we had last year. Remember those rains? And a foundation's for when the ground begins to shake like how it does here in San Diego, right? That's what a foundation's for is when things start shaking and the storms start coming. So I'll ask again, do you have a foundation in Jesus? Let me just encourage us this year, church, let's have a foundation in Jesus. Let's fall on him. Let's turn to him. Let, let's let him be our strength and go to him when life starts shaking. Here's the last point. Build it right. Build it right. You know, building takes time to build it right, but things built too fast will be destroyed fast. Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 7. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, we need to build our lives in God for the long haul. Our spiritual life is a marathon and not a sprint. Just like how I want my house here on earth to last for a really long time, I want my spiritual life to last for a really long time. I don't want it to just look good for a moment or when I posted something on Instagram at the worship service, but I want to build my spiritual life for eternity. And, and, and we have to build it right to do that. I heard a story about some homes here in San Diego that were built back in the 80s. And they were built in four hours. It was during a production or a, a construction lull. And they were trying to, to bring some publicity to some companies. And they were seeing, could we build a house in four hours? And you know what? They did it. They built a house in four hours. It took hundreds of people to do it, but they did it. But you know what? A year later, it started to have problems, as I'm sure you can imagine. And not just minor problems, but major problems. Pipes bursting, foundations cracking, literally from end to end. Um, doors not closing, roofs caving in, walls shifting, sewage flooding. Don't you want to move into that house? <laughs> We don't want to live in a house like that, but sometimes we expect our spiritual lives to be built in four hours. And honestly, selfishly, I wish we could have moved into our house in four hours. We bought the land and then, wow, four hours later, hey, let's move in. But that's not really what we want. We want to live in a house that's good and strong, and that takes time. And so we have to build our lives spiritually for the long haul and understand this is a journey. It's going to take some time. We have to have enough vision to build our house on the rock. It'll take longer, but it'll be built right. It took us almost three years to build our house from when we bought our land to when we moved in. But I'm so thankful that we did it the right way instead of cutting corners and, and cheating and taking shortcuts. And I hope everyone here this morning is wanting to build their house on a rock. I hope you're here saying, I wanna be a wise person. I wanna be a wise builder and build my house on a rock. You know, here's the unique thing about this scripture. 
everyone hears the words of God. Jesus tells this parable, there's basically a fork in the road. If you're here this morning, you're hearing the scriptures and the word of God, he says, the wise man hears the word of God and puts it into practice. The foolish man hears the word of God, but he doesn't. You see, we have a choice. How do you wanna build your life? Do you wanna hear the word of God and not put it into practice? The Bible says you'll be on the sand, or do you wanna put it into practice? I hope you want to be the one that builds your life on a rock. One of the ways we do this is by FaceTime, spending daily time with God is what our church calls FaceTime. And in it, we read through the scriptures, and you don't just read a scripture and say, oh, that's nice, but we read it and say, God, how can we put this into practice? So for instance, if I'm reading the Bible this morning and I read a scripture on forgiveness, I don't just go, oh, that's cute. I'm going to take a picture of that and post it online. I go, God, how do I live a life of forgiveness? Is there anyone that I'm harboring bitterness towards? Is there anyone I haven't forgiven? Maybe it's been years, but today, God, let me put it into practice and go and forgive that person. Maybe you're reading a scripture on money, about generosity or tithing, and you're going, okay, maybe I haven't been generous, but God, let this be the year that I'm gonna be generous. Maybe I haven't been tithing, but let this be the year where I start tithing. I wanna put that into practice. Maybe you're reading a scripture on loving your neighbor, and you're saying, God, help me love my neighbor today. Let's put the words of God into practice because that's how we build our life on a rock. You know, after we finished building our house, we moved in, obviously, and it was so worth it. And I'm still in awe uh, that we had this opportunity, and I'm still reflecting on how similar it is to build a house and to build our lives in God. And God's still teaching me. I still see him as my general contractor that's showing me what he's doing in my spiritual life, that's showing me the details, that's giving me vision for the long haul. So I want to ask us this morning, how are you building your life? Are you building your life on a rock? Why don't you stand to your feet with me? Worship team can come on up. I want to challenge us again that in 2018, let's be a people that build our lives in God. And why don't you just close your eyes? I want you to ask God, God, what about this do I need to to obey? What do I need to respond with and put into practice? Maybe God has not been your builder. Maybe you've been trying to build your life on your own. Or maybe you haven't been putting the words of God into practice. Or maybe your foundation hasn't been strong. I just want you to search Uh, your heart with God and say, God, what do I need to do? And I think there's probably some in here that have never given their life to Jesus. You don't have a foundation in him. He isn't your builder. Well, today's a day, the Bible says, for salvation. Today's a day to give your life to Jesus if you've never done that before. And just with everybody's eyes closed, if you're saying, hey, this morning, pastor, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna build my life on a rock. Maybe you've fallen away from him or maybe you've just never done that. But if that's you, with everyone's eyes closed, would you just lift your hand up at me and just give me a quick wave just so I can see you. Is anyone doing that? Is anyone wanting to, I see it back there. I see it. Is anyone else doing that? I see it. Is anyone wanting to give their life to Jesus today? Anyone saying, God, I wanna give my heart to you. Awesome, awesome. Awesome. Anybody else wanting to give their life to Jesus? That's so great. Well, why don't you just pray with me real quick? Just say something like this. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. Come into my heart and build my life spiritually. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Our ministry team's gonna come forward. If you're giving your life to Jesus, I want you to come down and get prayer for them. We have a book to give you. If you wanna pull one of your friends down with you and say, hey, come pray with me. Uh, also, uh, if you're just wanting to get prayer for something just about something going on in your life, I'm gonna need some more ministry team down here. If you're on our prayer team or ministry team, would you come on down? Um, if there's anything in your life that you're saying, hey, I need, to, I need help in this area. I need help building my life in this area. If you just have anything going on, physical healing or prayer for your work or for your family, come down and receive prayer. As I close this out, you just start moving down the aisles. We're going to close out with a worship song. God, thank you that, that you're our general contractor, that you are our builder, that you want to build our life, that you have good plans for us. Would you pour a foundation in us? Would you do great things in our lives this year in Jesus' name? Come on down as we sing out this last worship song.